Thank you, Paul and Leslie. Good to see you all here today. (laughs) Very nice. Good to be seen. Let's take our Bibles this afternoon and uh, go to the book of John. John chapter 14. Um, There's a single verse that we'd really like to take a look at. And uh, maybe we'll read verses 27 through verse 31. John chapter 14, verses 27 through 31. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you, before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, you might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the Prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so do I. Arise. Let us go hence. May God add a special blessing to the reading of his word, and let us just pause for prayer prior to our study. Father God, we come before you today, and we're thankful that you are God, that you are omniscient, omnipotent, sovereign, completely in control. Father, I would just ask that these that have come out today, that they, their families, would be blessed. We ask that you would encourage us through the word, lift us up, enlighten us. Father, we pray even in the sense of our weakness, our feebleness, that you would help us maneuver and to literally open our thoughts, our minds to receiving more of you so that relationally we'll never have been closer than these moments. Father, we just uh, we praise you, we honor you, we thank you for the word. We'd ask that the Holy Spirit would exclusively be our teacher today and we would look to you for power and guidance and strength as you establish us in our walk, in our daily journey of life. Thank you for what you'll accomplish now through the Word and through the Spirit. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, we've been, uh, we were actually walking and walking through Ephesians chapter 4. We were there uh, several weeks in a row speaking about, uh, in fact, we might just uh, go back there for a moment. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And looking at those, if you remember on the board last, the last couple of weeks, there are four things that literally we've been called to do in the worthy walk. If you're a Christian, you've trusted Christ, then uh, after Paul had exercised the proper doctrine, the proper thinking in the first three chapters of Ephesians, it's in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I therefore, because of what's been stated, because of what you are and who you are in Christ, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you, I command you that you would walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called, with all lowliness, that would be with humility, we found, and with meekness, power under control, with long suffering and forbearing love. Those four things he has spoken to us in the sense of gathering and being together in unity in the, in, in the church. One of the things that keeps us from that, uh, there's, when we spoke of that last week, maybe I'd like to expound on a little bit today, uh, as God would lead us. And we would say that uh, today, uh, not just the world, uh, Jesus, uh, and maybe it's good for us to, get, as you go back to John, just think about where Jesus is and his disciples. From John 13 through John 16, uh, they are in the upper room. 
they are celebrating the Passover together, the last time that they will be literally together as a group. They're communing. And Jesus is, is speaking, he's teaching, he's unfolding for them truth. He's unfolding for them what's to come. It, and this, these are compassionate moments. They are moments of passion. He is speaking with a great deal of, I, I'm going to say, uh, just intensity. Um, he's, he's not yelling. I'm not saying that. He's, but he's, he's, these, are te- these are very <coughs> intense moments. And they're gathered in a small place. This isn't for the general public, if you will. He's there. Okay? And he's, he's said a lot of things. In fact, back in, in uh, verse, chapter 13, uh, let's take a look at those verses. He kind of sets it up. Uh, John chapter 13, let's just dive into verse 21. Okay? Um, now, we, we know that this was part of that last supper, if you will. Verse 21, uh, chapter 13. I want you to get the... And as we start there, I want you to get this sense. Now, we read verse 27 of chapter 14 is about peace. And Jesus, in these moments, this, this context, I want you to get the context, though. It's not just like you have this dissertation and you're going to this, the class on Peace 101. And the instructor is Jesus. And he's talking about, by the way, they're in, they're in a retreat, they're in a getaway, they're over somewhere, uh, in, probably on the beach, right? And they're just kicked back and they're having a great time and the food is good and the relaxation, all of it. It's a good time to talk about peace. I want to blow that thing completely out of the water. I want you to see where they are contextually, okay? It has, by the way, Jesus' ministry, those three years of walking and talking with Jesus, those were, those were days and weeks and, and years literally filled with anxiety in this. And I'm looking from the outside because as we think about peace, I want you to be thinking about this as we even move forward. I, wanted, I want us to think about a definition of peace. Okay? I want us to think about that. There's actually two ways of looking at peace. But, but let's, let's keep moving along. Now, Jesus, it says in verse 21 of chapter 13, are you all there? John 13, 21, it said, When Jesus had thus said, he was, he was troubled in spirit. He, Jesus, was troubled in spirit. And testified, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute. There's 12 in the room right now, with, plus Jesus would be 13. And he's literally just blowing the thing wide open. And he says, one of you will betray me. I mean, right? Who, who would that be? Now, there's, there's one in the room that knows who it is. He's played, played it very well. He has been very secretive. He has been very removed from the sense of his true feelings, his true thought processes of being displayed to the other disciples. But verse 22 says, Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spoke. They had no idea. Now, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. That would be John. Simon Peter, therefore, beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Of course he did, right? You know, they're, they're in this circle, and, and Peter says, hey, John, John, ask him who it is. You know, you can just see Simon Peter. Why, why didn't Simon just say, Jesus, who is it? You know, it's, it's still in your mind. So you can tell that there's, there's something going on here. And then verse 25, he then lying on Jesus' breast said, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. When he had dipped a sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. And then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest do quickly. Now, no man at the table knew for what intent he spoke this unto him. They missed it. He just went, whom, right over their head. They thought, for some of them thought, verse 29, because Judas had the bag. He was the treasurer. That's a great place to have a thief. Uh, have him in charge of the money. It's a great, great idea, right? And that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast, for that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Okay? One guy leaves the room. 
And from that point on, now Jesus is very intimately describing what will happen in their lives very shortly. Uh, Peter, he's all over it. He says, I will never deny you. I'll give you my life. And then Jesus, very honestly, uh, said, oh, by the way, Peter, that overconfidence, that pride that you have, you literally will deny me three times. Not just once, but three times. And then, whoa, and look at this. Now he says in verse 14, chapter 14, I'm sorry, chapter 14, he says this, let not your heart be troubled. Why would it be troubled? Why would their heart be troubled? Why are hearts troubled today? Why is the world in the state that it is today? And would you say that there's a few hearts being troubled today? There's a lot of hearts being troubled today, isn't there? There's a lot of it. And Jesus, and, and, and as we continue to work through this, particularly chapters 13 through 16, then they leave. And in chapter 17, he's praying to the Father. This is this intimate high priestly prayer where Jesus is praying to, to the Father. God the Son speaking to God the Father. You think praying's not important? Oh, my goodness, right? And he's basically praying that all of the things that we've talked about, that he's talked about in those chapters would come to pass. And I want to show you, you are in that prayer. Did you know you were in that prayer in John chapter 17? Let's look at it because it's very important. You are right here when Jesus was saying that on that night with those disciples. John chapter 17. Let's just poke ahead there for a moment. Verse 20. uh, John chapter 17 and verse 20. Uh, actually, let's start in verse 19, John 17, 19. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. That's you. <laughs> You're right there in John chapter 17, verse 20. I think that's fantastic. Jesus was praying for you even before there was a you. Wow. So these, these, these things, these uh, words of encouragement are very much for us here today. Now let's just take a step back. Uh, so do you feel some of the intensity of that? Within an hour, Jesus knowing what happened, he would be betrayed, which just happened. Literally, uh, the guy went out and Jesus knew it was coming. Uh, he would be falsely accused. He would be standing six different trials, all of them false in, all of, in every aspect of it, and then literally within a day, he would be hanging on a cross, being crucified. The Son of God, the Son of Man, would be crucified on a cross. Now, and then he says this, peace be unto you. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Is that how peace looks? Is, that, is it possible? Let's talk about, as your I asked you that question. What is peace? What's the definition of peace? Uh, by the way, is there turmoil and trouble around the world today? Oh, my goodness. Right? I, I don't know that, you know, I mean, I'm not here to gauge. I don't, I don't have the, the turmoil meter, you know, but I think it's pretty well pegged. Has there been more turmoil? I'm sure there always has been because since the rebellion of Adam and Eve, uh, that comes with that territory. I mean, that just comes with it. Uh, there's going to be turmoil. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be sin. <coughs> So tell me about, talk to me about peace. Is, is peace something that, I mean, is it, can you even get it? How did you, why would Jesus say that? It seems just over the top, right? Here's a man in 24 hours is going to be crucified. Ha! Ah, how could you talk about peace? Isn't peace sort of like circumstantial? I mean, isn't it, doesn't this turmoil and trouble? Let's talk about it from the world standpoint. Tell me what the world means when they say they have, that they're looking. How many of your people are looking for peace today? It seems like it, doesn't it? And we've said this many times. You've probably heard it. But uh, how many peace trees have been kept? Zero. (laughs) The only one left to be broken is the one they just made that hasn't had time to 
the ink to dry yet, right? Peace. Talk to me about peace. Uh, just, just let's start showing some things out there. Peace. What is peace? What does it look like? Excuse me? Yeah, being with, literally, we're going to talk about that in a moment. I want to expound, I want to expand on that one quite a bit. Being at, being at one with God. Because literally, the world cannot ever be at peace with God. It's impossible. If, if you're here today, or you hear my voice, or there's anyone that does not know Jesus Christ personally, you cannot have peace. Did, was that clear enough? <laughs> That's what the Bible says. Uh, you're at enmity with God. Your enemies will be talking, looking at some of those verses as well. Talk to me you now. Just Joe Schmo, he's down at downtown Sheridan, okay? And uh, he's, you get into a discussion with him about peace. What would, well, excuse me? Lack of conflict. Okay. That's what I'm kind of looking for. Let's talk some of that. Okay. So Joe Schmo says, hey, uh, you know, getting along with the wife, okay. Uh, peace at home. Right? So there's, there's a sense of there's a lack of conflict in that case. What else could we say? Describe peace from Joe Schmo. Now, by the way, Joe Schmo, is a, he's a non-Christian. He doesn't know Jesus Christ. He's just in the world looking for peace, looking to hang out, looking to be just whatever it is that makes him him. Right? So what else could we say? He's lack of conflict. At ease. At ease. That ease would be very much given a picture of peace to Joe Schmo, right? He's happy, right? Life is good. Life is good. good. How we doing, right? Uh, How long do those things last? (laughs) Or less, right? Or less. Do you see from that, what I'm trying to get you there is that the peace that the world describes it, as it defines it, is literally from a negative aspect, it's the removal of something. It's the removal of conflict, the removal of trouble. It's not the sense of well-being. It could be their feelings. Excuse me? People go on their feelings a lot. Let's talk about that for a moment. You know, actually, uh, <coughs> uh, peace is something, from the world standpoint, again, we're, the two very distinct differences. If you talk about peace that Jesus is saying of giving and what the world sees as peace, two totally different things. Now, there's peace that is manufactured. Why do you think drug sales, alcohol? I could go on. All of those things that are literally stimulants, they literally create a false sense of peace. In fact, I, this is very interesting. Even, uh, let's take, hold your place here. We'll be right back. But I believe we'll find it. Um, let's go to one of the Thessalonians. I'm going to have to dig around just a second. Um, I'll get there in a second. So let's go to like First Thessalonians first. And I think we will find it. Yeah, uh, chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, Paul is teaching about the coming day of the Lord. Uh, verse 1, we'll start there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you for yourselves. Know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. It comes unannounced, if you will. Now watch verse 3. For when they shall say, peace and safety... Then sudden destruction cometh upon them. See, this is interesting. Even at a time when the world says peace and safety, we're okay. We're okay. It's actually the lack of not even knowing. There's a bliss and ignorance of not knowing the fullness. It's amazing to me, even at the end of life, and the things that are said, you know, uh, when someone passed away, oh, there's another angel in heaven. Where where did that come from? You see, there's a sense of ignorance, and, and we cover it up in the sense of... 
Not understanding gives us a false, and I'm not saying, when I'm saying we, I'm talking about the world's position, that it literally gives you a false perspective of peace. Satan's good at that. Smoke and mirrors. Where do you think peace and safety comes from? Oh, you're okay. You've got money in the bank. You've got no conflict right now. It's fantastic. They've missed the whole thing. So peace is very elusive. It's very uh, fragile. And the world sees it as the absence of things. September 10th, 20 years ago, everybody thought peace and safety. That's exactly. Yeah, the morning of September 10th and throughout that day, uh, you know, the, the temperature of the nation was, did they have any idea what happened in less than 24 hours? Not a clue. I mean, I still, I re, you know, it's amazing. Do you guys remember where you were that day? It was pretty wild, wasn't it? Um, I was actually on the phone with, with, with uh, a, a gentleman that sells parts in John Deere. And he says, Larry, did you see what happened? Well, what? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just buying parts, right? I don't, my mind is not anywhere near that. And he said, hey, there's a plane that just flew into World Trade Center. I'm thinking, Cess, I'm thinking Cessna. Right? I'm thinking the little guy. Somebody got whacked out and he's foggy and he and I'm thinking, oh that's not good. No, he said, No, Larry, you're not getting this. And so, you know, I zoom home, turn on the television. Whoa! Right? Completely blown out of the water. Now what happened to peace right then in that place? Oh gone. Over with. Turmoil, trouble, all of those things just go whoosh. Of hopelessness. Especially in that yeah. and, and, and besides that, what's coming next? And now what, what, what is right there? Right, what is right on the cusp of the lack of peace is fear. Remember what last week we talked about? I don't know if I'm using the same words. I, forgive me if I didn't get it right. On the left-hand side of me, I want you to think of the word peace. On the right-hand side, I want you to think of faith. Did I do that? Is it the same as I did last week? Good. (laughs) Good. And in the middle is the thing that destroys both of them, and that's fear. Fear will disrupt peace because literally uh, peace is built on trust. Now, that's that's different from what the world sees. Okay. Let's talk about it from a little different perspective. Let's talk about Jesus's or God's perspective of peace. Peace to Jesus was not lack of conflict. It was not lack of trouble. It was not lack of turmoil. It was not lack of anything that could be harmful in the sense of a circumstantial. Because what's going to happen to him in 24 hours? Right? This is really key. Peace has nothing to do with circumstances. Let me say that one more time. Peace has nothing to do with circumstances. If it does, you're seeking the wrong peace. That's what the world is after. I need peace. I want peace. I want peace. What kind of peace? What do you want? Jesus, his peace is something that can only come from him as well. Fear is so divisive, so derisive. I look at our world today, and those two things, there's no peace, and there's a whole lot of fear. And the, the fear level, I, I said, what did I say? Tur- the turmoil meter was pegged to the right. The fear has went three times around. It's wound up. And you talk to the average person. They are fearful of absolutely almost everything. Because it drives itself. It's energized. It's like a fire that just builds in and of itself. We talked about opening a door when we have a fire inside and there's not a lot of oxygen. Open it up and it roars. You take fear unchecked and then you get a lot of people in the same room. 
that are fearful. And that thing goes crazy, correct? That's where we are as a nation today. And, and not just, it's the world. I, I want to I be very careful to say that. It's not just America. Now, there are, interestingly enough, uh, I, didn't, I should have finalized the t- statistics, but there are just short of 2 million Americans that are incarcerated in, the, in, in America today. It's the highest level per capita of, of, in, of imprisonment anywhere else in the world. Now, I, I want to say this, that America as well is known as, we have, we're the land of plenty, aren't we? We got stuff. We got money. We got, no, nobody ever has enough money. That's that sense, that little word called greed, right? Uh, John D. Rockefeller interviewed very late in his life. There was a man that couldn't have spent what he had. There's, there's just no possible way he could have even done it. And they said, how much is enough, John? And his answer is, is, is crazy because it, defi- it, it literally establishes a definition for greed. And he said, just a little bit more. This is a man that couldn't have spent it. That's really what America has become. It's narcissistic and greed to a level that is just on steroids. Now, now, I want that to soak in again. We have the highest level of imprisonment of any place in the world by a long shot. So we certainly couldn't say we need more wealth, more food, more stuff, more, right? Yeah, what, 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 could, what could we say? I want to come back to one thing. I want to just come back and re- re-enter this. <clears throat> the things that's just through the roof are things that are creating false peace. Show me a drug addict. That first hit gave them a feeling that was tranquil. That's the world's peace. It's so fleeting. And pretty soon they can't stop. They're addicted. There are people today that don't even have a clue of what reality is. And purpose of that, or the, the sense of the beginning of that was they were looking for peace. Isn't that true? It's absolutely true. Alcohol. I can't tell you how many lives have been ruined from alcohol because it blackens or dulls or fogs out everything that's in their, in their face that would be described as a peace stealer. Turmoil, trouble, all of those things. All of those things literally make it even worse. We're engaged as a world now to where yeah, I mean, there's people in fear, but there's still... What, 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 what could we say in our world today that would totally... Oh, that would, be, that would be so awesome! I mean, people are naive enough to think that if the COVID virus was gone, our world would be great. No, there's always going to be something, right? Please say yes. It's just the latest thing, right? <laughs> there's always something there that can steal peace from you and create this fear, Jesus is way beyond that. He's so far out of that. He's wanting you to literally have what it is that he is giving. The world can't, there is no peace in the world. Let me say that again. There is no peace in the world. Did you get that? There's none. There's none. Yes. They've been shown a lot of the day that it happened and the way New Yorkers uh, responded to it first, and it's kind of like I suppose everybody responds that way to most anything that you can't quite believe in. And that was that when the ta- first tower was hit, nobody moved. Everybody just stood there watching it burning in, in disbelief. First of all, most of them didn't see it happen, so they didn't know exactly right. what, what the happened. thing was. But they all stood there close. I mean, 
you, if you see the damage to the building, you would, you would think that you would, someone would say, danger, danger, get away, get away. But people, I mean, policemen were trying to get people out of the way and firemen, and, and even some of the firemen were just standing there in disbelief. Yeah. And when the second tower was hit, it, I don't think it sunk in. And, and usually an evilness, you don't always recognize it at the time. Well, it's such, or, a, it's such a shock. Yeah. I mean, it was to, I mean, when's the last time that somebody looked up and saw the Twin Towers on fire? Yeah. And then one collapses. And you say, well, you know, I remember that back, oh, was it a couple years ago? No, this is brand new stuff. Yeah. See, and, and literally that's one of the things that we just read now in, in, uh, in Thessal- Thessalonians chapter 5, is when everybody says peace and safety, everything looks good from my perspective. The end is there. It's going to come. The day of the Lord will come with a sh- with a, as a thief in the night. It's going to come just like that. Because the false peace. Exactly. The false peace. And that literally, that, that's another, that's a good statement because literally the world can only offer pseudo peace or false peace. If, 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 the, if, you're, if you're looking to the world for peace, you are being sold a bill of goods. <laughs> there is nothing the world can give you in the sense of true peace, lasting peace. There, it's, it's, all, it's all false. It's all pseudo. There's nothing to it. Nothing to it. He is, yeah, and they're, and they're, by the way, they are looking. Well, I don't know, I keep saying, and it hasn't been quite right, but we're getting pretty close to where going through the book of Revelation is probably appropriate. They want him. They, they, don't, they, won't, they won't call him that, but they're looking for that person that can just bring this all together. And they can sort it out. And this guy's like super cool. And he lays it out. Oh, that, oh, that guy, that, we need more of him. See, they're looking for that person right now. Our, our world is just yearning for that. Now, they don't want Jesus. No, 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 they don't want Jesus. But we want that guy that can literally just kind of line us out and tell us. And, and you see how we've become fear drives in the sense of it, freedoms evaporate in the sense of fear. You'll give up anything to take away fear. Yeah. That's where we are in America. We have given up more freedom in the last year <laughs> than I can even imagine. I couldn't have, I couldn't have told this story. That's what fear does. We are at a pinnacle, literally, of losing everything that this nation was founded on. Our Constitution is being just literally stomped on, trampled in the dirt. Our Bill of Rights have no sense of worth whatsoever. And that's what runs this government. Every official signs off as saying, that's what I'm going to follow. That's my oath. That's what it's going to be. Does anybody remember what happened the day before uh, the 9-11? On the 10th? September 10th? I do not. Donald Rumsfeld announced that $2.3 trillion had uh, went missing from the defense fund. <laughs> nice play. A little bit of a diversion, maybe. That's something to think about. Yeah. $2.3 trillion. $2.3 trillion. Yeah. What they thought happened is not what happened. There's a whole lot of things that aren't what they seems to be. I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to leave it right there. There's a whole lot of things that aren't what they really seem to be. But my point again is, until we get back to the basics, and I'm talking about trusting God, working hard, loving more, and fearing less, this nation is a course of self-destruction. Absolutely. That's what Jesus was... See, literally, if you're doing... Do you know what Jesus said? I'm going to leave you. Oh, the disciples... You can't leave us. 
What are you thinking about? This is when the nation Israel finally takes over and we're in charge and we beat the Romans and it's forever on high and the kingdom age has come and we couldn't be any happier. And what do you mean? Talk? What are you doing? Don't do that. Don't stop that. And he said, no, it's time for me to leave because I'm going to send the comforter and he's going to bring truth. All of the things that we have in your Bible and my Bible have come as a result of the Holy Spirit moving among men's minds to give us truth. Amen. And without truth, we have nothing. And you cannot have peace without truth. It is the anchor. It holds it all together. The peace comes from the truth and obeying the truth. See, there again, we've, we as a nation, there's been so, so many opportunities we've had to know the truth and we don't want to do the truth. The further, then the more that you resist the truth, the further the truth moves away and you no longer even know what truth is. That's where we are today. There's a whole lot of people that don't even know the truth. And when you don't know the truth, then what happens? Fear will replace it. Every step of the way. Truth is vitally, vitally important. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, you, you can tell I'm swaying off of branches that I'm digging out on, right? Okay. But it is all related. Uh, we've, I find in, in our world today the sense of the fear and, and the lack of peace is just its enormous. It's gigantic. It's gigantic. Thinking about... Uh, I'm just, I, I'm, I, I continue to be overwhelmed. In the sense of the family disintegration. Family disintegration. That is truly pandemic. Yes. I spent last week in Colorado with my family. And so being raised around Fort Collins and then coming to being living up here outside of Bozeman basically, I've always felt that it was ten years behind Fort Collins. Mm-hmm. That little college towns yep. that are now booming. And but the things I noticed were my aunt went to Denver with uh, heart problems. She was transferred from hospital to hospital because of too many COVID patients. You cannot go anywhere. People look at you like you're evil. Stay away from me. It's only me and my family, and that's all I can do to survive. And marijuana is legalized, and it's just hateful. The yeah. whole thing is hateful. And it, it was very sad. Yeah. And that's what's on the increase. All of those things are at an incline like that. Separation, division, differences. And that's what Ephesians chapter, remember the last few weeks been there? I don't know why why am I pointing to the board. It's not there anymore. But those four things that we talked about, characteristics of unity, there isn't one of those. Not one of those. Even in the church, that is getting after it. And their churches are still shut down. Yeah. Haven't even opened. Right. Not, and then think about that for a moment. Is that positive? <laughs> it's a disaster. It's a disaster. They don't even want people to get together and talk about God. Getting that's where I'm. I, you know, you guys energize me on Sunday afternoons. I hopefully I energize you. If I don't, you'll get a new guy. I get something because it's the word of God, and as we circulate that and we let the Holy Spirit literally guide the truth into our hearts and minds, that's what gives us direction. That's what gives us peace. That's what gives truth that unfolds, and we feel stronger because we're not in it. It's God that's in it. We are on a crash course. 
We literally are. But what I want to, I want to say it again. Jesus knew all of these things coming to him in just a matter of moments, and he still says, peace be unto you. <laughs> so we can have peace. I know some of you, really? <laughs> yes, we can. Yes, we can. Peace from the world standpoint is, it is truly seen as an external thing. Um, let's see, I'm just... Oh, let's look at a word from the, uh, from, the, from the Old Testament that is used 250 times in the Old Testament, Hebrew word, that would give maybe a more biblical perspective on peace. Anybody know what that word is? You do. I'm just... Shalom. Shalom. Now, tell me about the word shalom. Now, we talked about, you guys described for me, uh, lack of conflict is a definition of peace. Uh, Being trouble-free, to be at ease, all of those things uh, would be the world's perspective of peace. Tell me about the word shalom. And that's actually a greeting, isn't it? It can be a greeting. It can be an exiting. It can be anything. It's amazing. It can be used almost any place. It's like that, uh, you know, the word that you can use all the time. Shalom. What does it mean? That was profound. <laughs> but, but, excuse me? Okay, let's, let's tear it apart a little bit more. Because uh, I, I really think this is huge. Uh, peace from the world standpoint is the absence of something. And you take this away from me, and I'm going to be at peace. Right? That's, that's what you're describing. What is shalom? God be with you. Okay, God be with you. Well being. That's actually, it's the sense of the completeness, the contentment, the full roundedness. It's not just. The peace, it's the sense of the contentment or the well-being that comes from having everything fit together. Do you see the difference? It's not exactly, it's not exactly that you're being, uh, how do I want to say, it? that peace is the goal. Peace comes because the rest of everything else is right. It's knowing how the game ends and God wins. So do we. Right? And where, where is that trust? Where is that trust? Because if we're trusting in God, guess what? Peace it, that, that can, I can't make that connection strong enough for you. You cannot separate peace and trust in God. You cannot separate them. If you are not trusting in God, I will guarantee you, you have no peace. It cannot happen. That's why the world doesn't have any peace, because they failed to trust in God. Amen. Can't happen. Amen. Cannot. Shalom. Oh, yeah. The peace that Abraham had, I... I Personally, I could say, well, if God spoke to me directly, I would just, yeah, if he spoke to me, like I think, like you and I would talk, then I would do it. But Abraham, I say, well, Abraham would have had peace when he was killing, when he was going to kill Isaac. How do we get that kind of a peace? That's your relationship with Jesus. And, and I say, well, Abraham had it because, well, God spoke right to him. I can rationalize. Yeah, and so to put it in, put it in, in, in terms today, uh, when's the last time you guys got, a, you know, like um, the, the, uh, the mail guy comes in? I uh, say, I got a certified letter here. Oh, okay, cool. What's it from? It's from God? Oh, I've been waiting for this one. A certified letter from God, right? Right, it would mean more, right? It's, it's <laughs> like, it's like, see, and that's, that's almost the thing we say, you know, if God would have, if I would have been there in the Old Testament and God came and directly spoke to me, I would be all over that. I mean, I would get that. 
This is a certified letter from God to you, right? That's pretty cool, isn't it? And that's what Jesus was literally promising on 24 hours before he's going to be hanging on a tree. Is He says, you know what? The Holy Spirit's going to come, and I have to go so that he can come. And then he's going to guide you in all truth. They had no idea the, the, you know, the, the massiveness of it. I, I, if, if, you took, if you took the word of God out of this world, oh my goodness. And there was, there was a time in which literally God did that to the nation Israel. In the book of Amos, you might jot this down. I don't know if we'll get there or not. Amos chapter 8, oh, it's probably like around verses... I'm going to go 8 through 10. But anyway, it's, it's in uh, Amos chapter 8. And because of the fact that they had rejected God for so long, God said this. I am going to give you a famine in the land of truth. You're not going to have any prophets tell you the truth. There's not going to be any truth. You can't find truth. You won't be able to even smell truth from a distance. There's, there's no truth. Can you imagine how And America today is on that pathway because of our rejection? We will never move through that until we have a yearning for truth. Now we've at the point, our youngsters, not the millennials, what's the, the Gen Z's? They actually, I've said this numerous times, but I want, I want to make sure you get it because this is where we're at. We're on a, we are on the edge of a precipice that though, that young generation doesn't even think that you can know truth. There's no such thing as truth. What? <laughs> then you know what it is? How do you live? By what you believe. So if you're told something long enough, and loud enough, that's what you ultimately believe, and that's how you live. Whether it's right or wrong, whether it's true or false, that's where we're at. That's what you call doing what's right in your own eyes. That's exact in judges. I remember that last. last they say, where were the judges? Right? They get it right for a little while, and then they stray off. You know, it's just kind of like rounding the the corners, right? It'd be like me on roller skates. I mean, I'm all over the place, right? Trying to, you almost break your life. You don't want to see me on roller skates. That you don't want to. And you know what? We're on roller skates at a high rate of speed. We're just bouncing off the walls. And without truth, you have no, you have no borders, no guidelines. I'm thinking of what Rhonda was even saying is, is we take these, these populated areas and, they're, and they're, just, they're just, it's a disaster. It's just, and then throw that in there, the sense of, of elevating self, the narcissism. And it's just like these little, uh, Right? Crazy stuff. What did I ask? Did I ask a question? I didn't even write anything down. Why did I erase that? Wasn't I gonna, what was I going to write down for you? You don't know either? Okay. Yeah, we were on Shalom. Um, let me see if I can... Hmm. Okay, very absolutely true. You're, you're not, if you're not trusting God, peace is, it, it's not going to be there. There's another word in the New Testament, irene. Uh, you've heard irene. Okay, I think that's the way you pronounce it. Um, you'll find in the New Testament, you find in a lot of different, and actually the words that we found in, um, uh, da, 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 in John chapter 14, peace is mentioned two times. In both cases, that word, that Greek word is used. Uh, you know the name Irene. You know Irene's. That is actually where that name came from, was from that Greek word. The sense of peace. Peace. Shalom, the completeness, contentment, fulfillment, satisfaction, everything that is good would flow into your life. And literally, a peace then becomes a result, not a, not a, not a pursuit. 
go to, uh, I, I want to, I just, just what uh, Rhonda brought me back to something. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 26 for a moment. Isaiah chapter 26. Hold your place in John. Isaiah chapter 26. And let's take a peek at how closely related trust and peace are. Isaiah chapter 26. And we'll start in verse 3. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust you in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Now, that's pretty tightly connected. Did you see that? No trust, no peace. You want peace? Trust in the Lord. You want strength? Trust in the Lord. Trust is the key component. It is the linchpin to making peace reality. Even back in Isaiah, very clearly stated. Now, from perfect peace is basically based on perfect trust. Let's, let's just think of that for a moment. So you have peace that's based on trust. What is trust based on? That, that would be the result. Yep. Faith, okay? And we could say faith and trust are very closely related. So how do you grow in trust? How do you grow in faith? Now, I, I know I've mentioned in your, in, your pa- in your background, in your past, there were moments, there were times of, usually times of difficulty, str- struggles and struggles and trials and things that you went through that literally, as a result, when you turn around, I'm, I'm thinking, let's just, it may not have been the Red Sea experience, but I'm talking, thinking about those Israelites that have been slaves for 400 plus years. And Moses goes through this with the, with the ten plagues, and they move out, and they're going, and it's got to be a, you know, a celebration. They got away from those guys, right? This is awesome. And then all of a sudden, trouble is right there. The, the situation got pretty dire because they've got their, they've got their backs. Their, this is the Red Sea. We can't get across this thing. And oh, look at the dust. I wonder who that, I wonder who that is. <coughs> it looks like Egyptians. Then what do you do? Moses, you dirty rat. You brought us out here and we're going to be completely annihilated. Oh, I can't believe it. How much peace was going on right now? Zero. How much fear? A lot. How much trust? Bazero. Bazero. And then God says to Moses, why don't you go over there and just kind of tap the water? <laughs> I wonder, Moses, okay. But it was like, I wonder what's going to happen now. Do you think he envisioned anything in the magnitude of what God was going to do on that day? Of course not. But it was key. What if Moses had not followed what God had said? What if you don't follow what God has asked you to do? It doesn't happen. Trust does not flow. Peace does not come. How do we increase in trust? Peace is based on trust. Trust is based upon knowledge of God. That's the key of... What, what, if, what, if, you were to, what if we never got the Bible? What if you couldn't find a Bible? What if you couldn't find truth? What if you didn't even know who God was? Have I got you there? That, my friends, is scary. But he did give us the Bible. And as we read and we understand, the key to faith is thinking. Let me say that again. The key to faith is thinking. The more that you think about God, the more you think about his greatness, his awesomeness, his sovereignty, his omnipotence, his omnipresence. You think about everything that God is, guess what happens? 
He becomes bigger, your problems become smaller, and that knowledge actually drives trust to a higher level. When you're trusting in God, guess what? You're at ease in trusting him, and peace becomes yours. That's almost too simple, isn't it? So what's our problem? Learning more about God. Exactly right. Trust and obey. Sometimes it's not what we, what we need to know. We, need, we usually know enough, enough about a lot of things about God. We just aren't obeying. We're not following through, right? Trust and obey. For there's no other way. Let's see. Oh. Let's talk about um, peace. It's nature. Let's talk about its nature. Um, you've heard objective and subjective. Now, Lois kind of got us started down this trail. Uh, the world, or someone that does not know Christ personally, it's impossible for that person to be, have any peace. And I'm talking about God's peace. I'm talking about real peace. I'm not talking about pseudo-peace. I'm not talking about the fact that there's a quiet time when everybody's just taking a time to reload. That's the world's picture of of peace. It's just this small frames of time that it's just kind of like rethinking, re- reloading, redoing everything, and away we go. Zoom at a high level, high rate of speed. What started this all was literally what we would call the objective sense of peace. That's something that is outside of us. You see, again, you cannot generate peace within yourself. You can't do it. God did it. Jesus was even saying in John chapter 14, verse 27, that he was giving them peace. We'll talk about that in a moment. But let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, this is where it all starts. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the key component. That's the objective nature of peace. It was outside of us. It was a gift. Literally, that night that Jesus was in the company of those disciples, those 11, he says, my peace I give unto you. It wasn't anybody else's peace. It was my peace. He's actually acquiring it. It's costing him everything to give it to them. That sense of justification to be declared not guilty. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. This, uh, yeah, Ephesians chapter 6 for a moment. We talked about putting on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. Verse 15. Ephesians six fifteen. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We talked a lot about that. Literally, that's your foundation. If you aren't at peace with God, there's nothing. You have nothing. Justification. Reconciliation. Look at Romans chapter 5. Turn back there in verse 10. I want you to see this. What were you before Jesus Christ? We have to say this because this is the truth. We were enemies with God. Enemies. We were at enmity. For if, verse 10, chapter 5 of Romans, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. How? By the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That's the objective part of peace. God accomplished it through Jesus Christ. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians for a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And Paul speaks to the, the Corinthians and 
sense of reconciliation, to regain what was lost. As Adam and Eve on the day that, now that talk about a day that, oh my goodness, let's think about that for just a second. Here you are, you're just, you're just kind of like, uh, what would you want to be? I'm, I'm just going to share a rabbit in the Garden of Eden. You're kind of watching this relationship of, 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 uh, of Adam and Eve and God, and you see, and you kind of fall along behind, and and, uh, and and you're just wow, that is so cool. That is, it's amazing that relationship, what the close knit that they have, and it's just, oh, it's the communication and the fellowship. It's just so amazing. And then there was the September 11th of humankind, and on that day, you talk about blow up. Do you know what they would have felt? In the lack of peace, after literally trading their relationship with God to put themselves on high, to trade self for God, what do you think the peace factor was that night as they're sitting around having supper? And guess what happens? The very same things that, that Rhonda was even talking about. You know, that, that evening, as they're ready to go have their little walk, God says, where are you guys? What's going on? What, you know, it's time. Of course, he knows. It's amazing how sometimes it's, <laughs> you know. And so, and, and Adam, oh, he says, uh, uh, well, honestly, if you cut through it, God, it's the woman. It's her fault, which meant it's God's fault because he gave Adam the woman. And the woman, of course, blamed the serpent, and away we go. Blame, 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 blame. Divide, divide, divide. Adam that night having supper? I bet he had to make his own. <laughs> Eve, if you would have only not done that, do you know what's... Oh, can you imagine that what, they're, what they felt inside? <coughs> That's the same thing that Jesus Christ had to die for, to reconcile, to bring us back to God. From that day forward, there was only a promise that God said in chapter 3 of verse 15 of Genesis, that he had a plan set up. He knew what would have happened before it happened, and he says, I am going to bring the seed through the woman that literally will reconcile this. And that was Jesus Christ on the very night that he's talking about what we're talking about. He said, peace be unto you. That peace is available to us because of what was accomplished through him. That reconciliation, that division that took place on that night, that literally divided man from God. My goodness, isn't that something? And God saw it in his heart. He saw it in his love to, reconcile, to, to reconcile those things through Jesus. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians. I think I took you there and I stopped. Chapter 5. Let's look at chapter 5. Let's take a look at verses 18. Let's start there. Verse 18, chapter 5. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself, how? By Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To it, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, but hath committed unto us the the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. Watch this. For he hath made him... To be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That verse twenty-one. That is a that that is so powerful, so amazing. We sometimes don't even get the full gist of it. Turn to Colossians for a moment. Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one. Let's take a look at verses nineteen through twenty-two. Colossians chapter one, verse nineteen. Colossians 1.19, For it pleased the Father that in Him, in Christ, should all fullness dwell. Everything that God is was in Jesus Christ. And having made 
peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and reprovable in his sight you see the whole basis of truth the whole objective sense of truth you would never be this is why the world cannot experience peace this right here this is the objective side of peace because Jesus Christ paid the price, reconciliation took place. If you do not know Jesus Christ personally, you are not at peace, period. Regardless of what you think. I mean, and we saw in First Thessalonians that peace and safety. No, it's impossible. It's impossible. Mary, that reminds me of a, a teaching from psychology, worldly psychology, to help people be it okay with themselves. And there was, they even wrote a book. I'm okay, you're okay. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. I'm so okay, you're okay. It's a yeah. lie. Uh, absolutely. That's the worst thing. It's a false. In fact, in fact, that's why I think that America is on the further course to destruction is the fact that literally we've had too much for too long. We've been wealthy, healthy, and we've not had a lot of problems. And guess what? We're okay with ourselves. And we don't need a savior. That's the worst place to be. That's why oftentimes those that have crashed, right, whether it's a drug, a drug addictions, alcohol addictions, whatever it might be, and you hit the bottom of the bottom of the bottom, and guess what? There's nowhere to look finally but up. Right now there's a whole lot of, I'm going to just say, the Bill Gates philosophy, and that is we're bigger than God is. We are what we are. Bill Gates, I, I pray for that man. He needs God desperately, but he's so big in his own eyes. And, Bill, I hope you're listening. Find Jesus. Stop fighting God, right? That's what America is doing. We're fighting God because we think we don't need him. A world that does not know they need a savior is lost beyond lost. Oh, right? Yeah, I'm okay. You're okay. No, we're not okay. <laughs> the Bible tells us that. Thank goodness for the Bible, the truth. Let's put it in a different word. That when the objective sense of reconciliation and God, through Jesus Christ, paying the price, his blood rejoins us. It literally puts us as God forever on our side. Amen. That's what that really means. At that point, do you see some sense of relaxation when finally that's taken care of and you have peace with God? This can't help but take place. And this is the key component to then the subjective part, for you to experience peace within your heart, within your life. That's based on trust. Your trust literally brought you to peace with God, because if you didn't trust Jesus Christ, you wouldn't be at peace with him. But the peace of God comes subjectively because of the objective position that God really accomplished. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 15. Did we go to Colossians or not? Did we do that? Yeah, we did. Yep. Did you, there's another thing that you see in Scripture. Guess what? Tell me another word that you see in Scripture that goes with peace. Hope, hope that's true. In fact, hope is what... Uh, who was it? Was it uh, Lois? Did you talk about hopelessness? Okay. That, when, when you have someone that is without hope, that's how you jump out windows. That's how you lose it. That's how you literally give up on everything. Hope is a real, it's a, in fact, we're going to look at that in, uh, I think it's 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. There's another word, because of that hope, that you see in the Bible very often closely linked together with peace. Almost all of the time, in fact. They're, they're, just, like, they're just like 
they're just like cousins. They're like twins. Safety? Okay. That, I, w- I would say, maybe resulting. Okay. I got you. I like it. It's fun. Assurance? But it, it, there it is. Joy. Joy and peace. You find that in the scriptures together often, very often. They're closely related because they're not based upon any sense of outside external situations. These are beyond that. They're, they're because of what was accomplished from Jesus Christ. Uh, Philippians, where's Paul at? He's writing this letter about joy. If you, if you want to go to Philippians, I think, first of all, it's the book of joy. And where's Paul at? He's in prison. Well, that's a great place to kind of expand upon joy. It is if you're in Jesus. It is if you're in Jesus. Okay, so we've went through the nature of peace. It's objective, it's subjective. Uh, Romans chapter 15, that's where we're going to go. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Romans fifteen thirteen. This is this fits right in what Ernie just said. Now the God of hope, He is a God of hope. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now the God of hope fill you. This is a prayer. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. The more that you trust God, the more peace that is yours. Joy comes as partner. Part of it, and you literally, your hope expands and goes, goes, goes up as well. You have Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. The other thing about peace is not just the sense of enduring. I mean, it's just like get through. It's, it's like I've, I've got peace for this moment. I need to enjoy. No, no. The peace that Jesus is talking about is a conquering. It's a triumphant peace. It's an overpowering because at the end, we know what the end brings. And it's bigger than just the sense of this moment. That's why peace and joy are beyond that. It's bigger, wider, deeper than anything that we can see or feel. Because it's not within us. The world is looking something from within. They're searching and pursuing God's peace is way bigger than that. Way bigger than that. It's overwhelming in the scope and size of it. So let's talk about, we've got the nature of peace. Let's talk about the source of peace. Let's go back to John chapter 14, verse 17. Verse 27. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. The source of peace is literally from God. It's supernatural. This is not something that comes from within mankind. It comes from God, the God of peace. Turn to 1 Thessalonians with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Look at how God himself is even described. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it's part of his very nature. Verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you woefully. And I pray, God... And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is literally described as the God of peace. The God of peace. Take a look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. This one here is, this is a verse you need to know. This is a verse that you need to, to have with you. Because it talks about the fact that it's not circumstantial. 
2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Now the Lord of peace, there it is again, himself, give you peace always, by all means. The Lord be with you all. So how often is peace to come? Can it come? Always. Always. Romans chapter 16. Let's flip back there. I missed it a minute ago. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. Romans 16, verse 20. Again, God mentioned as the God of peace. Romans 16, 20. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of your Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. I think of uh, a situation where... Let's go to John chapter 19 for a moment. Um, Remember Jesus was in one of those towards the end of just before he's uh, hung on a cross. He's in front of Pilate. And Pilate's a powerful guy. Just ask him. Uh, you don't even need to ask him. He'll tell you. He will say how, how smart, how brilliant, how, what a leader he is. All of the things. You were, he, basically, this Jesus guy was in, was in his, the palm of his hand. Let's start in verse... Uh, well, actually, that's interesting, too. Uh, he was the one that asked, what is truth? What is truth? Uh, and this goes on for a while, and finally, Jesus isn't saying anything to him. That must have been very disconcerting to poor little Pilate because he's up there and, and he's asking questions. And Jesus is just sitting there. I'm thinking very stoically. Okay? He's just sitting there. And then Pilate says this in verse 10 of chapter 19. Uh, John 19.10. He says, Then said Pilate... Right, let's read verse 9. <clears throat> and he went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? Who are you? Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate, then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me, knowing that not that thou I have the power to crucify thee and the power to release thee? In other words, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm this guy. You should be really paying attention to me. You, Jesus, you, you, you just don't understand how powerful I am. And I'm thinking, no, Pilate, you don't understand how powerless you really are. Then Jesus answered him, verse 11, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except... It were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. I'm here literally because God's got a business to, to get done. It's not you, Pilate. It's not you. It's not you. That peace that Jesus actually exhibited right then was actually... Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. This is a great verse. Hebrews chapter 12. This is the same peace that Jesus was giving and speaking about 24 hours before his crucifixion. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's the absolute truth. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Wait a minute. How does the cross and joy fit together? That seems ridiculous. Is it, is, let's read it again. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. What's the key? Literally the fact that Jesus Christ was part of the plan to reconcile mankind. His full and complete trust in all of that allowed him to literally go forward with joy and peace because the trust factor was there. Without trust, it couldn't have happened. And it certainly, peace is not found in the world. Let's take a look at, this is very succinct, Isaiah chapter 48. Isaiah 48, verse 22. 
Isaiah 48.22. It just brings it out very clearly. Look at this. I mean, how could you not get this, right? Uh, Isaiah 48.22. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. Is that clear enough? <laughs> There's no peace to the wicked. We're lacking peace. It's not an emotional issue. It's not a psychological issue. It's not a circumstantial issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. So, pursuing peace. Now, it's a gift from God, but we're also told to pursue it. Let's go to Psalm chapter 34. Psalm 34.4. Start to wind down here. Psalm 34.4. I sought the Lord, and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord, He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Sometimes uh, we probably don't pay enough attention to what we have in Christ. Once you've been reconciled, once you've been justified, you have a cupboard full of goods. But you have to go to the cupboard and get stuff. You could have a bank account that's very robust, but if you don't withdraw it, it is nothing more than just a bank account with a lot of numbers. That's correct. How oftentimes do we not appropriate what God has given to us? That's the sense of pursuing it. And what, how do we pursue it? We literally pursue righteousness. We pursue faith. We pursue prayer. A picture of that is uh, in Matthew. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6 for a moment. Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Matthew six twenty-five. Talking about anxiety. Let's read that passage together. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He's said a lot of things. He's blown their minds. He says, Therefore I say unto you, verse 25, chapter 6, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, neither gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Did you see it again? I, want, I, I just don't want you to miss this. The sense of having peace. And what's, the op- what's another word we could say that would be opposite of peace would be worry, anxiety, those things that just literally take us and tie us up in a knot. It produces fear. It produces all of that thing. But it's trust that displaces it. Faith. Faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Now let's keep going. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all of these things. But, okay, that, that I wanna, when I see a but, I want to know what it's there for. What is he saying? Here's the thing we need to do in, 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 in response to this anxiety, this worrying. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We want to pursue peace? Pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Continue to expand your knowledge of God, seeking him first. Look at this, Colossians chapter 3. Verse 15. Here's another great verse. 
see if this doesn't. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. Colossians 3, verse 15. Whoops, I'm in chapter 2. Excuse me. Verse 15. And let the peace of God... Oh, there it is. Now, do you see... Now, now watch that for a moment. Uh, the objective part was peace with God. Okay. Now he's talking about peace of God. Verse 15. Let the peace of God... Rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Is that peace ruling in your hearts? Are you seeking? Are you pursuing righteousness? Are you pursuing faith through prayer? That's how peace rules in your heart. That's literally the the going forth, if you will. Let's turn to Philippians for a moment. Philippians chapter 4. The book of joy, written by Paul. Philippians chapter 4. Let's start in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful or anxious or worried about nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your minds, I'm sorry, your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Powerful verse. But look at verse 8. Finally, brethren, this is important. When I say finally, brethren, it's important. Whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue and there be any praise, think on these things. Think about that. You know what that describes? All of those things that we're talking about, you know who who you're thinking about? I said this, faith is determined by thinking. The more you think about God, guess who that would describe? Jesus Christ. All of those things that it says to think about literally drive us right to the feet of Jesus. The more that our knowledge of God increases, the more that peace becomes ours. Trusting and obeying. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 2, verse 10. Romans 2.10. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. Literally, that peace comes through God. Galatians 5.22, as we think about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, this is your walk. This is the worthy walk that you're determined to go. Now, each and every one of you that have trusted Christ, you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. That's great, isn't it? It's good news. You're purchased. You're a purchased possession. Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Is that enough? No, we're still told to walk in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, because that's how the Spirit works. Even though you have, He has, uh, that you're indwelt by Him, we still must pursue, we must go forward. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, as a result of that, clearly says that we have the fruit of the Spirit when we're walking there. Verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5, Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then down to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. See how they just all flow together. All of those things flow together. Let me say, this is the best I can think. This is is maybe not my final thought. but If you want peace, make war with sin. If you want peace in your life, make war with sin. That's God's formula. 
Really, it's just about that simple. We need His truth. We need His grace. We need His strength. We need His peace. And the world chases after a pseudo-peace. A world is looking for peace that really isn't peace at all. That sense of shalom, that sense of contentment, that sense of fulfillment, the thing of having everything good in your life to allow us to literally be at ease in Jesus. To be at ease in Jesus. I, I never said that quite that way. I think that's exactly what peace could be, as good a description as anything. To be at ease with Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? We're right where, we're right where he wants us. And when we're, we're, where we are where he wants us, it's right where we need to be to enjoy all of the peace in our life. Questions or comments? Peace. I heard a guy pray one time. He said, Lord, uh, align my will up with your will. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's good. I and you know what happens is that as a result? Peace. Peace. I've, I've said some, just started saying it last month. There was, it was just in one of, my, one of my study times or whatever. It was literally the prayer. Prayer is, is getting our will melted into God's will. Boy, do we need a lot of that, don't we? We really need a lot of that. Melting, our will melting into God's will. And the only way really that happens is reading the word and trusting him and utilizing him in prayer. And that, that prayer really drives us. That brings us right where we should be. And boy, do we need to be in his will right now. Whoo. Wow. God help us in America. There's so many things going in the wrong direction. It is absolutely frightening. And things aren't as they seem in so many ways. But God is still God. Our faith must be in him and no other man, and no other woman, and no other political party, and no other aspirations, and no other research, and nothing other than God and God alone. In Him will we trust. And guess what? When we trust in Him, maybe we should close with this. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 26. When we are fully trusting Him, we experience perfect peace. Let's take a look. Let's close. I think that would be a great place for us to stop. Isaiah chapter 26. This would be one of those you should have written down somewhere to go to frequently. Isaiah chapter 26 and verses 3 and 4. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Did you see that again? The key to faith and trust is thinking about God. The more you... Isn't that fun when you're somewhere? I don't know where that is. Maybe it's in a closet somewhere. Maybe it's in a tractor and you shut the, 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 the radio off. You're just in the quiet of the night somewhere. And your mind just continues to think about God. Thinking about all that Jesus accomplished. Thinking about what he said. Contemplating on that. And you know what happens? Peace will flow over you. That's why for me in the middle of the night, it's amazing how tense you can get in the middle of the night. You wake up this huge problem, right? Does anyone else do that? No, no one does that, right? Okay, this huge problem, and it's gigantic, and it's dark, and it gets bigger, and you can't see and feel. And you know what the best thing is for us to do is just start praying and start thinking and, and unfolding all the things we know about God. And then we know what happens? Just shut that door, and the peace that passes all understanding, literally will encompass us. And, and you know, it's just like you just, ah, right? Shalom. There's something about that word even, right? Shalom. Shalom. It feels good. Shalom. Shalom. Right? And it's not the absence of that. I mean, that's, that's my final thing. 
the peace of the world, it's, if you could take that away from me, if you could take COVID away from me, if you could take that turmoil away from me, if you could, right? That is not the picture of peace. God's peace that Jesus gave was in one of the most true, tumultuous times of his physical life. He's about to die. He's about to die a criminal's death. And he said, I leave my peace to you. That's the peace that we want and yearn for in times like this, because that's what will take us through. May we trust him more every single minute of every single day. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you allowed us to see Jesus in a very difficult time. And yet he was all about peace. That joy that encompassed him, even when he's in front of Pilate, his ease, his comfort, all of those things that made him who he was are remarkable. The example that he set. And all of his disciples fled from him as he was speaking to them the night before, talking to them about what would come. The Holy Spirit would be coming, guiding them in all truth. But that peace, that gift that he was giving to them, I imagine as they would have thought about those things later, the clarity of it then began to just become so vivid. The fogginess of that night of not understanding all of those things and the betrayal and those, the shock of seeing their Savior hanging on a tree. Their leader, their rabbi, their teacher, their king. And yet, Father, you saw that as being necessary to reconcile us. That's the word that we've looked at numerous times. To reconcile, to be justified, to regain what was lost. You are the sole proponent, the sole objective sense of all that peace is about. I pray for that peace to someone that may be listening today that does not know Jesus personally. Father, I would ask that you just put your arms around them and wooing them through the gospel that Jesus Christ died for their sins. He was dead. He was buried and rose again the third day. Because of his life, we... Offering up ourselves by faith, repenting of our sins. Literally, God, you are on our side forever. Eternally, we are yours. Father, then, experientially, because of being at peace with you, then the peace of God, that it would become part of our lives as we trust in you more, as we think more about you, understanding you to a new level each and every day, understanding how amazingly awesome you are that that peace then will just be overwhelming. It will go beyond our sense of understanding. It, it truly is unexplainable. It is incomprehensible. That's the peace, Father, that we yearn for. That's the peace that we pursue. Righteousness, faith, through prayer, thanking you for what you've accomplished. Father, we've got, we're involved in life's journeys. It's one step at a time. Show us, give us strength, encourage us, go with us. Thank you that we can trust in you. These things we ask in your son's name. Amen.